Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And we are back. Again, this is Pat Harridan sitting in for all of the McNamaras on McNamara on Money. As loyal listeners know, when I am in, we talk employee benefits, we talk insurance, human resources. Our first guest for the first half hour of the hour was Tony Breddy from Werfren, vice president of HR. He talked a little bit about his company and his challenges in HR. And my next guest for the second half hour here, a 20 six minutes, perhaps, is Alfred Ingbari, who's the Chief People Officer at Commonwealth Care Alliance. Good morning, Alfred. How are you? Good morning, Pat. I am fine. Thank you. How are you? Great. My first question is, how did I do on that last name? Did I nail it or no? They're <laughs> very close, Pat. Very ah, close. <laughs> see, I was, I was going to call you doctor. And, and can cheat, but I didn't want people to assume you were a medical doctor. Quite all right. <laughs> so, Alfred, quick intro to our listeners, as I think if you were listening prior with Tony, our listeners are their employees, their retirees, their business owners, they're, they're hopefully my students because I asked them to listen and learn. But just introduce yourself, and then I'll have you talk a little bit about Commonwealth Care Alliance because I'm not sure a lot of people know what that is either. But just give me a little bit of background so our listeners have your perspective, Alfred, if you could. Okay, thank you, Pat. Again, thanks for inviting me to your show. Yes. Alfred Nambari, the Chief People Officer for Commonwealth Care Alliance. I have extensive background in human resources and operations. I have been doing this for over 32 years oh. in various industries, and it has really been fun taking a look and working with employees and working with customers and my colleagues all across. So it has really been fun. Yeah, and you spent some time on the in HR on the insurance side as well. So you know a little bit about our business too. <laughs> it, it, that's correct. My four uh, organizations before my present one were spent around uh, retail management, uh, consumer health, insurance, yep. pharmaceuticals, uh, and uh, and now I'm in the healthcare. So yeah. No, that's great. And now that you're in healthcare here locally, give us a description, if you could, Alfred, about what Commonwealth Care Alliance is, where is it, what is it, that kind of thing. I think that will help people understand. Okay. Yeah, Commonwealth Care Alliance is a healthcare services organization, and we offer a high-quality health plans and uh, care delivery programs designed for individuals with uh, significant needs. And what that means is that we deliver comprehensive, integrated, and uh, person-centered care by coordinating the services, not just of the local staff, but provider partners and community organizations. CCA, as we call ourselves in abbreviated form, is very is a unique model of uncommon care, and we've achieved an unparalleled track record 
of improved health and quality outcomes and lower cost of care. We currently serve over 100,000 individuals across four states, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Michigan, and California. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, and local in Massachusetts, Alfred, where are you physically located? Are you in downtown Boston or Cambridge? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are in downtown Boston. We are also in Springfield, Massachusetts. We have primary four primary care centers in Boston, Worcester, Springfield. Oh, wow. And your funding, in other words, obviously you're providing healthcare services, but you're, are you a nonprofit, Alfred, or do you get help from donations or is it primarily service-driven revenue from the insurers? How does that work? Yeah, we are non-for-profit and funded basically with through we cover for Medicare, Medicare, and so Mass Health and CMS is where our funding comes from. Got it. Okay. And for those who don't know, CMS is the agency behind the Me- Medicare. Yep. Centers. And that's correct. Yeah. Centers for Medicaid and Medicare services. There's two M's yeah. in the in the definition, but only one M in the uh, acronym. It's strange. And yeah. uh, did you mention, Alfred, how many of those, lo- in all those locations uh, that are all in the U.S., how many employees does CCA have? Yeah, we're about 2,000 employees, uh, a little over 2,000 actually, is the current employees that we have spread across those four states that I mentioned with the bulk of them in Massachusetts, which is really our home state, so to speak. Yep. Nope. Understood. And what are the sort of most common, what are those employees? Are they healthcare professionals? Are they support staff? What's the breakout in general? Not nothing specific, but what types of folks do you employ? Yeah, in general, as you can imagine, majority of our employees are what we call our clinical staff. About 1,100 uh, of uh, the 2,000 are all our clinical staff, uh, both member-facing, as we like to refer to them, <laughs> that really see members on a regular basis. And then also those that uh, are not clinical that give the support to our clinical staff uh, because our goal, everything we do is centered around the customer and the consumer. So everything we do mm-hmm. gotta make sure that our customers, our consumers, they are receiving the best quality care uh, possible. Yep. No, it makes sense, uh, Alfred. So I'll ask you the question I asked Tony, but I think it's probably a much different answer now that you've described it. How did or how does uh, COVID impact you from an HR and benefits perspective? Because obviously it doesn't seem like uh, people can be remote. So how does that affect you and, and how you guys made it through the, assuming we're all done, which I hope, made it through the pandemic? It was really, as you can imagine, every employer there with COVID was a very uh, unique situation Mm -hmm. that uh, no one expected uh, it to happen the way it did. But like I said earlier, with our clinical employees, they are member-facing, they never stop. They continue visiting our members and the patients at home. Mm -hmm. Uh, They never stop that. And then Mm -hmm. our primary care centers, they were opening. The centers opened when our patients and customers can go in, they were available. And the non-clinical staff, however, we're send them remotely because of the way COVID works. So people were working remotely. We provided them the tools that they needed to be able to work 
from home remotely wherever they were at when we, the offices were closed at that time, which then led into a flexible work arrangements, which we are currently uh, still doing right now. No, that's, that, and obviously that's, it seems like every company I speak with, Alfred, they're all doing some sort of hybrid environment, but when I try and drive into Boston, the traffic doesn't say that. <laughs> it's, uh, if that's the case, I don't know where all these people are going then if they're not, if they're not going in the office, especially commuting from the South Shore down here. However, what is, or what currently, as we speak now, it's September 2023, what's the biggest challenge for you from the kind of chief people officer, HR benefits role? Like what, what do you struggle, what's your biggest uh, challenge every day when you're talking to your staff? Yeah, I wouldn't say a challenge, but something the top of mind that we did. When I when COVID started, as I indicated, we start what we call a flexible working schedule for our non-clinical staff. And what that did is we asked them what their flexibility will be in terms of getting the work done, coming to office location, office locations, or working remotely at home. So that led to a hybrid model where people do come in when they want to come in. So long as none of the work they are supposed to be doing you know, is falling by the wayside. Right. Now, the, the member-facing employees, like I indicated, which is our clinical, some of them are ourselves, that visit members. They continue to see members. Where the challenge sometimes come in, and this is not unique to other CCA, is the staffing shortage, sometimes that you read across the globe, across the country, I should say, that comes in. But because of our performance, because of the benefits that we have for our employees, because of the caring we have for each other, because of the way we treat our employees, everyone loves CCA, they love our mission, they come to work, and they just do what we need to do to get the work done. And if you take a look at our mission, very highly mission-driven, mm-hmm. employees that come to us in what we do, because it is no one can duplicate us. It's not, we are not a commercial organization. We do the best for our members. We do the best uh, for our employees. So that really strikes us and becomes unique. And that has led to uh, us winning some of the awards, as, as I'm sure you have seen, the best place to work in Boston yep. that we've got, a lot of awards, where our employees, they are the ones winning the awards, telling us what we are doing right, what we need to improve on, and <laughs> we listen to them carefully and act on it. Yeah, no, I think that's important, Alfred. One of the things that we talked about with Tony in the first the first half hour is benefit your, and I'll ask you your overall strategy and approach, which seems like it's similar to how you deal with your members. But my message that I'm trying to get across 
podcast to the listeners who are hopefully employees, prospective employees, or HR people in general is you think about this stuff every day. It's not just a one-time open enrollment thing. You have to be flexible, as you indicated you were from a remote work, telework, telecommuting, whatever it is. But you're, you're challenged by you've got people who need to see patients, right? That's the hardest part. And it seems your industry is obviously seeing a, a tremendous staffing shortage. So do you guys look at that, Alfred, and say, hey, how else can you probably, it's a combination of pay as well. But do you use sort of your benefits and your your f- flexibility as a recruiting tool? Or, or how do you promote what you're, the good work you're doing? Yeah, it's all about We, uh, first of all, on focus on the benefits. Our health-related benefits is really, I would tell you, one of the best that I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> career that we provide for our employees. Then the next thing that falls into that uh, is really the flexibility, flexible work arrangements. Our clinical staff understands our mission. They know that in that area, they have to see our members. So it's nothing uh, new to them for them to be able to do that. We also have other benefits that are attracting people, folks to the family, what I would call a family-friendly benefits that covers not just only our employees, but also their family members. And our wellness benefits, which in fact has really increased much for since COVID, has really become top of mind for us that is attracting uh, folks to come to us. And the other big benefit that we provide is professional and career development benefits, which as in today's age, continuous learning Continuing learning is really paramount to individual success, and we really pride ourselves in ensuring that our employees are the best that they can. Hold that thought while we take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from this scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. We're back with more about employee benefits and HR with today's host, Pat Harridan. Yeah, no, it's the training and development piece is something that obviously is a lot more important now as you're trying to keep not only recruiting, but retaining your employees and having them advance. That's what I was saying, Alfred, with Tony. And we're all of the generation that hopefully in 10 years will be retired and there'll be a new generation of people doing the carrying on the work we're doing. But it's just with people changing jobs more frequently now and you're in, obviously for the, the people locally listening, Boston is a very competitive city for healthcare workers and because just so many hospitals, so many physicians, and clinics, it's hard to it's hard to recruit people. I asked this of Tony Oscar of you, Alfred. Do you have a sense like how many of you've got two thousand or so employees? How many job openings do you think you have now? Ballpark. Yeah, my our team is a continuous circle for them right now. 
We have openings now that we are looking for that I will tell you about 35 openings right now that's currently open that we are recruiting for. But it's a continuous process. Our talent acquisition team do not wait until a role becomes available before they do the due diligence work. They always try to source candidates in case when we have the opening. And the other thing too, Pat, is that we as organizations are growing very fast. We're growing exponentially. If you take a look at our record five years ago, before I joined the organization, we had less than a thousand employees and Mm. we're only in Massachusetts, not as big we are in Massachusetts as we are now. And now fast forward five years later, or less than five years later, we are now in four states. So there is always continuous improvement, for the continued growth, and then that brings in a lot of opportunities for our current employees to be promoted, to move mm-hmm. up the ladder, and then also bring in new employees, uh, potential employees in. The other thing about the benefits uh, that uh, I didn't think I mentioned earlier on, uh, Pat, is that our retirement and planning benefits, the retirement savings and mm-hmm. planning benefits is really another unique kind of benefit that we have. I know a lot of employers have retirement savings account and all of that, but mm-hmm. what we do is really ensuring that our employees, they are not just only planning for now, they are planning for the future uh, mm-hmm. as well. And that resonates with a number of them. Yeah, I know we talked about that with Tony as well. Uh, yeah, trying to get, especially the younger employees and even the mid-career people who haven't contributed early in their career, obviously with the economy the way it is and the inflation piece, it's good to, if you can, to obviously take advantage of whatever match you're offering. And is that true, Alfred, of your sort of demographic? Do you have a, is, it's probably not even, but do you have a healthy group? Everyone says there's five generations in the workforce, right? Do you, <laughs> do you have a do you have a kind of a bubble, or is it spread out, or do you have a, a healthy mix of early career and later career people? Obviously, if they're doctors and all that, there's they're usually mid career because of the time it takes. But h- how are you guys doing there? Yeah, we are spread all over the five uh, generations, <laughs> from the silent generation to the latest. I believe it's Gen Z now, if I'm saying the right one correct, we spread all over with a buck of them in the mid the mid career and again, depending on all the levels, it's very spread. We are not bubbled in one particular group. It's all spread around uh, for us. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And given your, because I'm always fascinated, because I know you, you had some, obviously your career started outside the U.S., but what advice would you have, and this one, this question's for my students that are listening, Alfred. You got into HR very early in your career. What it, what sort of advice would you give a young, early career person who didn't go to school for HR and benefits, but was thinking about it? Like, what drew you to HR and made you stay as long as you did? Yeah, it is a really funny story, Barry, because I always, one of the things that I've always interested in is really how do, where can I and how can I provide assistance and support to others just 
not just only myself, but to others. And how can I have impact in any organization that I join? Mm -hmm. Which is really where I started my career. In those days, we were called personnel management, as it was called those days. Now I've just gave my age away to your listeners. <laughs> so we, we started all of that, working through that. But the advice that I will have for the human resources professional is that whatever industry you want to go in, try to learn the operations of that industry. Uh, what I mean by that is if you do not understand your industry that you're working in and your organization that you're working in, then whatever you do, just become human resources speak, human resources <laughs> touch. And that really do not resonate with CEOs. It doesn't resonate with business leaders because you will be perceived as an overhead. And what you have to do is whatever the organization is working towards, what are the talent implications in that organization? You have to think about that to say, how can you add value to that, not just talking about human resources benefits and human resources pay and all of that, but you gotta talk about how well is your organization that you want to join, how can you help them to achieve the strategy, the goal that they set up to achieve and, 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 and the, the human implication of that or the talent implication of that is the value that you will bring in Sometimes you hear human resources professionals, all they talk is human resources. And that sometimes doesn't resonate well with business leaders because it gotta be what is the end for the business is the value that you will put in. The second thing that I would say is continuous learning. I mentioned this earlier. Try to continue learning because things change rapidly and as bad yep. you keep evolving regardless of mm. where you are it's very important that you keep pace with the changes that are coming and otherwise you will find yourself reacting instead of being proactive that to help your business yeah, no, and you're obviously the a good. You practice what you preach. Getting your your doctorate as well, <laughs> Alfred. Obviously, <laughs> continued learning, but also your as you mentioned your career. You, obviously, from where you started, I won't give it away. People will have to look it up. But but that organization is obviously a much different indus industry than what you're in now, and you have to know the different language, the different issues. I think that's, I, as I was sitting here listening to you, I was saying that I should even use that in my class because the HR function is so different at different companies. That's correct, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And that is where I say learning the organization that you are in, the operational side of the organization will really help you as a human resources professional on how you can add value or create value to your organization. Yep, and uh, so I got two two final ones because I think we've got about four minutes here. But what is your, what's your philosophy on the medical benefits? Because you mentioned the retirement is a good one, but obviously you're, you being a provider and having health plans yourself, obviously for a different population, but what's the philosophy on your healthcare benefits? Oh, that really is uh, for our employees and in fact also for our patients and members, I would say the benefits is really top notch for us. Mm -hmm. That is just not in an area you want to shortcut. So 
our benefits, whether it's medical, whether it's dental, whether yeah. it's ROX and all of that, is really, like I said earlier, very top-notch. I, uh, we at CA, and I can say this, uh, is that uh, we are very fortunate to have a CEO who really believes and really lives that you, your health benefits, that will be a number one top priority. And I wish all CEOs had that philosophy. Hmm. So when I go in to model what our health benefits is going to be for our employees, is I, I never have to sell him. Um, in fact, he really spearheaded that he, because he believes it. Because we cannot be in the healthcare. We cannot be we cannot be a healthcare organization without having a very top much head plan for our employees. So just my CEO and I wouldn't say his name I'm there. People can okay, but I don't want to embarrass him. I don't want to embarrass him, but he really is a, a top much for that. So for us, that is probably like I said, very top not head plan benefits that we have for our employees. I will advise organizations, employees to look up into that. Things continue to evolve. Yeah, no, I we say that all the time, Alfred, with our clients, is that if the CEO or CFO or whoever is the what the employees look to for leadership, if they're engaged and if they're promoting, whether it's a wellness program or whatever change that you're going to make that's positive, it's always it's always good to have that leadership from the top down to help out. So I'm going to give out your, just so people can look up not only you and your your open opportunities, but because we've got about a minute left. Commonwealth Care Alliance is, it's abbreviated CCA, but your actual website is just spell out commonwealthcarealliance.org. And Alfred, thank you very much for spending the time. Obviously, Hopefully, at some point, I get to see you in person. It's hard. Now that we're starting to do real live meetings, everyone's dressing up again. We're wearing ties. We're wearing suits. I hope to see you soon, but I thank you for your, not only for what you do with your members and patients, and you serve a great need for the community. Thank you for being on the, on the program, and hope to see you soon. Enjoy the rest of your day, Alfred. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Pat. You take care. Thank All you, right. sir. Yep. Bye-bye.